When we die, do we become just ghost in heaven, spirits, soul in heaven, or are we body and soul in heaven? And how we answer this question, the answer that is reality to this question, should really shape and form not only how we look forward or don't to the life of heaven, to eternity, but also how it should be affecting the way we live here now. So the answer, which is it? Is it just that we're spirits in heaven or that we also have bodies? The answer is both. Both. Just at different times. First, when we die, our bodies go into the grave, but our heavens immediately... Our, our, our souls immediately send to heaven. And then it's only later when God consummates the heavens and the earth and there's a new creation, a recreation and redemption, that's when our bodies are reconstituted and join us in heaven and will be with us forever, will be us, body and soul, forever in heaven for all of eternity. Where does this come from in the scriptures? Well, the first part is all over the Old Testament. Remember that Revelation is progressive. Um, Through the history of the Jews, God is revealing more and more until he reveals the fullness of who he is and who we are in him, in Jesus Christ. And then once Christ reveals who he is and who we are, then Revelation is closed. It's, It's closed with the founding of the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament. But until that time, the Jews were taught Sheol, okay? And Sheol is the place, the, ab- the abode of the dead. Remember that we weren't meant to die. We were meant to be immortal. But then there's this little thing called sin that we all participate in. And um, that has, from the beginning, caused a fallen human nature. In fact, it's affected all of nature. And so heaven was closed to us. Therefore, before Christ, all the dead, once they died, their bodies went into the grave, but their souls remained in Sheol, the abode of the dead, where they were waiting for the promise, Messiah, who would free them and then open the gates of heaven again. And in fact, that's what leads us up to Jesus Christ. We get to Jesus Christ, and he completes the revelation from the Father of who he is and who we are in him. And so he not only then teaches about resurrection of the body, but he then shows it in his own body. Therefore, he gives us a preview of something of what our death will look like in our resurrection. So that's where we pick up here in John chapter 20. Jesus, on the day of his resurrection, appears to some of his disciples. Thomas is not there. Jesus shows him, them, that he is truly resurrected, soul and body. But then since Thomas is not there, and the disciples meet up with him later, they say to him, we've seen the Lord, he's resurrected. He says, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And what he was going for is that he knew that if it was truly Jesus, then it wouldn't just be a ghost, meaning a spirit. 
It wouldn't just be an, an, an ethereal form. It would be a physical form too because that's what Christ taught us. So he said, unless I put my fingers in his hands and my hand in the side, I will not believe. Well, then the next day, Jesus appears and he goes right for Thomas. And he says, put your fingers in my hand and put your hand in my side and see that a ghost does not have flesh and bones as I do. Meaning, I have truly resurrected just as I taught you. Now, This resurrected body, which we will all one day have, what are the qualities of it? Like, will we in heaven be able to eat? Right? Well, not as ethereal spirits, not until our bodies join us, we follow the logic. But in another place, in Luke 24, in another account of Jesus' resurrection, when Jesus appears to his disciples... And he says, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not a ghost. I'm flesh and bone. And there's still, Luke records, incredulous about whether or not this is truly Jesus and he's resurrected. He said, do you have anything to eat? And so they produce a piece of baked fish. And Luke says he ate it right in front of them. So a resurrected, glorified body apparently can eat. And that means that we could eat. Did Jesus need to eat? No. When we get to heaven and our bodies join our souls, do we need to eat? Probably not. We don't need it. God is our life. But according to Jesus as the model, St. Paul calls him the firstborn among the dead, right? That he's the model for us when our bodies are joining our souls in heaven. And we see this in St. Paul's teachings all over the place. So like in Philippians 3, he says this. He says, And Jesus will take our lowly bodies and transform them and make them like his own glorious body. So our bodies will become like Jesus' body. And again, what does that mean? It'll have some of these qualities. What are these qualities? We just don't know. There are many resurrection accounts of Jesus appearing to his disciples, such as in one of the Gospels, it reports that Jesus, um, in fact, right before this in John 20, when Jesus appears, he first appears, and John records that he appears even though the doors were locked. So he can walk through doors that are locked. And another place, it talks about how Jesus appeared to 500 people at once. The resurrected body is not limited by time or space. And Jesus is the model for us. Beautiful, right? Why do I spend some time on this? Oh, so when does this happen? This happens, we look in the, it's all, again, all over the New Testament. Just, let's just stay with the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, uh, multiple times it talks about God renewing heaven and earth or redeeming heaven and earth. The phrase is that there will be a a, a recreation of the heavens and the earth. That's what redemption is. It's recreation. And it happens when the Messiah comes a second time. And according not only to the book of Revelation, but we hear this in foreshadowing in the book of Ezekiel, for instance, among some of the Old Testament books, 
where God will take, Ezekiel says, the very dry bones of the earth, the dust of the earth, and he will breathe his spirit into it, and those dry bones will take on flesh again, and they will resurrect. This is Ezekiel. John basically says the same thing, but he even goes further. That at the consummation of the heavens and earth, when God redeems all of creation at his second coming, that's when he will raise up our bodies. And our bodies will join us in heaven, and we will be body, mind, and soul forever in heaven. Well, how is that possible? I mean, even like on a scientific level, how is that possible? Well, you know, you only have to go back to people like Father George Lemaitre, who is the creator and founder of the Big Bang Theory. And what he talks about when he offers us a scientific understanding of uh, the creation of the world, when he takes the six days of creation in the book of Genesis as a model, by the way, when he looks at this and he formulates it all in a scientific way, which is the standard for how people believe in the material uh, creation of the world today, he talks about that in the beginning that there, there's this you know, primordial egg of subatomic particles, and then at the Big Bang, when God says, let there be light in Genesis, there's a light. And that's the Big Bang. That's where the word comes from, Father George Lemaitre. And when that happens, then all these subatomic particles of matter and antimatter, they collide with one another. And only what remains is the matter. And then those matter subatomic particles then start to coalesce into atoms. And those atoms start to coalesce into molecules. And those molecules start to coalesce into compound uh, molecules and so on. And then it goes as they spread out to create time and space in the universe. Well, here's my point. If the very God who can take something, take nothing, and create everything from it, just give it a little time, like billions of years, takes everything from it, creates everything out of nothing from a molecular level, can he not take the very molecules of what remains of our bodies that have been sitting in graves for 100 years or 1,000 years or 10,000 years, can he not take the dust of what remains, those molecules, and reconstitute every single molecule back into our precise bodies? And the answer is yes. He created everything out of nothing. He could certainly take something that already existed and bring it back to life. Does that make sense? Yeah. But we won't be the same bodies in the sense that we will also now be glorified bodies, resurrected bodies, more than we ever were. In fact, what we were always meant to be that's what redemption is. And that brings us to this reality. And the whole reason why I take time to kind of give you the background to this. Hope. Hope, next to faith and love, are the three most powerful forces that we have. Gifts that God has given us. You know, I'm a priest. And we all know that priests give up certain things in order to become priests. But so do you guys. I mean, when a man and a woman, when you and your spouse marry, for instance, you forego all other relationships, all other partners that you might have had for one person. And you remain with that person for your life. 
or when you have children together, any parent knows this, the great sacrifices that you make in order to raise a family and sacrifices of, of, of all kinds of other things that you could have done with your life in order to have this life. And there may be times in your life, especially when you're in desolation or times when you know, you're a bit lost, that you might think to yourself, I'm missing out on so much of life now because of this life that I'm living. No, you're not. Not at all. When we choose what's most important in our lives, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another, and that is what's most important in our lives, we're not missing everything else that we could have had. We're just delaying it a bit, and we're getting more when we become more. And then that hope should infuse everything that we do here and now as we live our lives here and now. So for instance, that, that means then we won't be grasping for desperate for having as many experiences as we can here and now because when we get to heaven, somehow heaven's going to be less. It's going to be boring. So i got to get in all my fun right now because heaven's not going to be fun. No. You know, we've all fallen for that kind of caricature of heaven, right? And yes, it's a caricature, but it really is revealing something because on some level or or another, we actually believe this, and a lot of us live this way. Here's the caricature. When we die, we're given a cloud. Right? We wear a white robe. We're given a harp. And off we go for all of eternity playing a harp. No wonder we think heaven is boring, right? That's what we think heaven is. And so with the Billy Joel song, we'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. That's a bunch of malarkey. When we get to heaven and our bodies are reconstituted and join us in the soul, we get to touch the face of God. Not just a soul that will be enraptured by the Spirit of God. That will happen at the moment of our death when we go before God and our souls right then and there is judged by God and we either go to heaven with a little pit stop in purgatory or we go to hell. That happens at the moment of our death. And we spiritually will be enraptured by Him, right? But there will come a day and then it will remain with us forever in which we not only get to... uh, be spiritually enlightened and and spiritually experience the Spirit of God, but where we will actually be able to touch Jesus, to hug Him, to embrace Him, and to be embraced by Him physically, who is fully God and fully human. And that embrace with Christ will be more than any embrace that we have ever known from any other human. And then, in our glorified, resurrected, heavenly state, we will be able to experience all of who God is and everything that dwells in Him because that's what heaven is. Heaven is a state of being in which all that dwell in His presence are there. And remember, God is infinite. What does that mean for us? It means He will never exhaust Himself on us. 
there will always be more to him. That means, and just think about eternity. That means then for the, uh, not a million years or a billion years, which is unimaginable for us in our finite state that we're going to exist for a billion years, and not, not a trillion years, and not a quadrillion years, but more than that, unending, we will always be in the presence of God in everything and everyone that dwells in his existence. And we will never be bored. We will never reach a point, let's say a thousand years into it, or a million years into it, where we finally arrive and say, God says, okay, um, I've revealed everything to you, and everything that you're going to experience has now been experienced in these million years. i got nothing more for you. And we just kind of sit around and twiddle our thumbs for the rest of our existence. He will never exhaust himself on us. He will always offer us more. The revelation of him in heaven will be unfolding and eternal. And that means all of the goodness that he offers us in himself and all that he has created that has been redeemed by him, we have access to. You think that you can have fun here in this life? And yes, we can. We have a lot of fun and a lot of fulfillment. You ain't seen nothing yet, right? Heaven is going to be more fun, more fulfilling, more purposeful, more satisfying, more full of love and relationship and life and exploration, endless exploration of who God is, an endless adventure with God as he redeems not just earth and you and I and our bodies, but all the heavens. And I say that this should give us hope because, you know, as we get older, for instance, I, I've been jogging all my life. And the doc says I've got arthritis in my lower back, right? So I'm starting to feel the pain that comes with the frailty of age. Those who are older than me, you know that there's more to come for me, right? Yeah, you know, okay. Yeah, horrible sometimes, yes, thank you. Yeah. Scare the good ones. All right. So as we get older, um, our bodies decay and decline, right? Because we're in the fallen state. And in fact, remember this, that all of creation has been infected by our sin. Because we are the only ones who are made in the image and likeness of God. What does that mean? That God is the king, the creator of all the universe, and he makes us stewards. And the way we've stewarded our lives... We've rejected him in the life that he's offered us. And so it not only affects us, it affects all of nature itself and all created beings. So that's the redemption that we're going to experience. And because of that, as we get older, though, here and now, we know that as we get older, that we lose the faculties of our minds. We're susceptible to all kinds of diseases. And with it, the suffering and the pain, right? But we also know that that could be redempted through Jesus Christ. That, that stuff can actually get us ready for heaven and, and further apply the redemption and get us closer to God through suffering. We know that. There's value in suffering. It's not meaningless in Jesus Christ. But, but we still have it. Or think about the person who has lived this life and has never seen a thing. He's, he or she's been blind all their life. What do they have to look forward to? Or a person who can't hear. Or a person who has never been married. 
or a person who has been and went through the terrible pains of a divorce, or a person who's been hurt by other people in love relationships has never really experienced true, authentic love. What about them? Do they have one life and then that's it? They're screwed? They're never going to get this in heaven because heaven is boring? No. What it means is that when we die and our bodies are reconstituted and we're with God for all of eternity, we will know satisfying love and God and all that dwells in him. Our eyes will be open. We'll be able to see more with our physical eyes than we ever did here in our ears, in our touch, in our taste. Because the body is made perfect. For the first time in our existence, we are completed the way we were always meant to be. And I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. As I go through the pains of life, both physical and heartache, as I make sacrifices for what is important for me, sacrifices for you and for God, I'm not missing out on anything. I'm going to get it in spades more than I would ever get it here. And so will you. And that's why I began with this, is that understanding truly what Christ teaches in the resurrection should radically change the way we experience human life from day to day. And not be living our lives thinking, if I don't get it in now, I'm never going to get it in heaven. Whatever it is. Which then leads us into terrible sins because we grasp for what God doesn't want us to have now so we can have it in the fullness in the life of heaven. We can start to let go of that restlessness. And that sense of being unfulfilled because I'm limited now. In whatever way you are limited. I'm hurt now. I'm broken now. Whatever way you're broken. There's so much more that God is going to give us. And that should truly then affect the way we live now. Not for the more now, but for all of him and the life of heaven, which then will forever affect the way we enjoy and live and even struggle with and suffer in redemption as we see even the redemption of our bodies come about. The last thought, just because it's, it's Divine Mercy Sunday. You know, there are many ways in which God has been merciful to us and is merciful to us and will be merciful to us. One of the ways, of course, is Jesus Christ dying on the cross so he could take away sins so we actually do have the hope of being with him in heaven and showing us what real love is even as we live in this world and experience sometimes broken love. That's mercy. But here's another thought in the context of what we've been just talking how much more God is merciful that he doesn't leave us in this broken, fallen world forever. You know, we're so afraid sometimes of getting old, being limited, and of dying. But could you imagine God leaving us here in this fallen world and in this broken body and in broken relationships for a thousand years or ten thousand years or even in the goodness that we know now when there's so much more and it's all completed in the life of heaven 
This Sunday, we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday. God's divine mercy. And one of the ways that he shows us mercy is that he doesn't leave us in this state forever. Thanks be to God. He brings us back to who we are always created to be in him. That's worth living for.